Well, good morning. Welcome to you. My name is Barney. If it's your first time with us this morning, as Debbie said earlier on in the meeting, or maybe you've joined us since then, please do head over to our website, or if you're in church online, you can click the Get Connected button or find that link in our website. And that gives you the opportunity to find out more about us as a church and connect with us for the first time. Uh, people have been doing that throughout the course of uh, the time period that we find ourselves in. And I'm really looking forward, actually, uh, at the start of March, we've got 10 people who are going to be doing our Next Steps course. And just a quick plug for that as well. So maybe you want to find out more about us as a church and, and maybe thinking about kind of joining with us in the longer term. And we'd love for you to uh, come along to that. That's uh, called Next Steps. You can sign for that up online as well via our website. Um, and I'd love to meet you um, on that course. Um, anyway, that's a little bit of a plug in case you have just started to join us or have been connecting with us for a while but not really been connected to us through groups or other things. Um, but today we are going to be continuing our series on radical discipleship. And so, so far in this series, we have looked at the following topics. I kicked off the series and I said that discipleship... Christian discipleship starts with a response within us to the call of Jesus to follow him. And that call is then established in our lives as we live a life empowered by the Spirit's presence within us. And I spoke about the, the importance of being filled with the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit, God's presence in us, abiding in us, enables us to follow him daily. Then we uh, looked at grace and how important grace is in the life of the believer. Anna was sort of touching on that earlier on. When we come to God, we come broken. We come actually unable to save ourselves, knowing that it's only through Jesus that we receive salvation. And then we spoke about what it means to uh, be, uh, find our identity in Jesus. So Richard spoke on a union with Christ, that we have been united with him. And Sam spoke on the idea that we have a new identity because of what Jesus has done. And over the next two weeks, we're actually going to look at uh, two themes that kind of link together. We're going to look at being obedient to Jesus, and we're also going to look at what taking up the cross and following, looks like, following him looks like. So living a cruciform life. And before I start anything else, I just want to talk about the word obedience, because it's such a funny word to us, isn't it? Because obedience is doing what you're told. That's what the word obedience means. You can look it up if you want. And uh, most of us are happy to comply uh, with things that we are told to do. Often it's because we're worried about the repercussions if we don't do what we're told to do. So we obey speed limits. We uh, follow the laws of the world that we live in because we want to do what we're told because we're worried about the repercussions if we don't. Or at take the current situation that we're in. We've now faced almost a whole year of restrictions that have been heavily placed on our lives. And the majority of us have been quite happy to uh, do those things and follow those restrictions because we know it's a benefit to us and of the world around us as well. So often we're, we're happy to obey because either uh, we can see the repercussions if we don't or actually we can see the benefit in it. Yet obedience in many other areas of our lives just seems quite old-fashioned and out of date with the culture of today. Social psychologist Jonathan Haidt observes that once the moral fabric of our society, so during the time of modernism and the baby boomer generation, so if you were kind of like in your 50s, 60s plus, you were born in that baby boomer generation, the concept, the moral fabric of the society at that time was built on concepts like this, loyalty, authority, and sanctity. However, the tides have shifted in our culture. So if you're any younger than that, you've been brought up on a culture where the moral fabric of the society is based on these values, liberty, care, and fairness. So we, we, 
we, we, are, we are concerned about whether or not people have freedom. That's liberty, yeah? We're concerned that people are cared for and the world around us is being cared for. And we're concerned that our society is one of fairness. And it's from those foundations that the moral attitudes of our postmodern world is being constructed. Now, none of those things are inherently bad. or In fact, they're very, very good things. Liberty, fairness, and care. And in our Western culture, the freedom of the individual to make choices is paramount, a way of actually securing those three things. Therefore, in the midst of those kind of cultural wins, the word obedience doesn't seem to kind of fit together, does it? If I talk about liberty, so freedom, care and fairness, well, obedience to anything doesn't seem that fair. Maybe it just sounds like a bad hangover from that modernist age where we had to do what we were told to do, or just plain offensive to us. So to our culture today, our values as Christians are okay, providing they uh, support or don't directly oppose any societal values, societal moral values. And throughout the pandemic, we've seen that in full effect, haven't we? So the Jesus in the Gospels who teaches us to love our neighbour as ourselves, or to care for the poor, or to protect the vulnerable, or to uplift the marginalised, is the kind of Jesus our, our culture wants to hear about. He's the kind of Jesus we like because he fits with our moral values. Yet the Jesus who says, because there is another Jesus that is presented, the Jesus who says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say, becomes a little bit more challenging to our culture. Why? Well, Jesus is claiming an absolute moral authority. He's claiming loyalty. Yet we are taught to search after freedom and liberty at all costs. And our culture thinks that we can find these values of liberty, fairness, and care without God. So we have two philosophical principles that our culture has adopted in order to fulfill these things, moral relativism and pluralism. So in an attempt to find liberty for everybody, we embrace moral relativism. What is that? Well, that's the idea that truth is no longer objective. There isn't one truth anymore. So here are some stock phrases around the idea of moral relativism, and you will have heard them even in the last week, I'm sure. I've seen them all over the place. I'm owning my truth. That is a stock phrase that you see in our culture. Or, well, that's your truth, and that's my truth. These are uh, phrases built on this philosophical concept of moral relativism. So providing your truth doesn't offend anybody else, you can live your truth. Believe what you want. And in an attempt to build a society around fairness, we embrace a second value that fits in with that, which is pluralism. So you can, um, there isn't any one right answer anymore. In fact, we can all have our own, answers, our own answers, and that's all right, as long as they build towards the core values of care, fairness, and liberty. The irony, though, is that in order for those ideas to work, what they do, actually, is they do the opposite of what they're seeking to. They claim absolute authority and loyalty. And they expect everyone to become tolerant of every opinion and every truth. So we seek liberty through removing objective truth, removing authoritative moral standards, and encouraging individuals to engage in self-discovery. Our society teaches that if you want to find truth, you don't look outside for it. You don't look outside to answer the questions of why, what are you doing here, or what, what's, what's wrong with the world, or who you are. You don't look externally. What you need to do is you need to go on an internal journey of discovery. Yet the freedom that you are getting offered, if you believe that form of structure, is completely false. 
In fact, actually, what ends up happening is if you go down that route of just self-discovery and believing that all the truth that you can find is within yourself, you end up enslaved to your own fears, your insecurities, and mistaken identity. These systems are, as Jesus puts it, blind guides. If you, if you live in a way of just seeking after self-truth and thinking that self-discovery is the way that you can find freedom, you are a blind guide to yourself. It leads you further away from the freedom that you're actually looking for. Our culture seeks liberty, but brings us captivity. It seeks fairness, yet it actually deceives us. We become more isolated, lost and confused than we ever were when we think we can self-determine truth. Yet Jesus offers us another way. He says this, come follow me. And he says this, I'm the way, the truth and the life. I mean, this is, these are challenging statements to our culture. No one comes to the Father, that's God, except through me. Jesus claims absolute authority. Jesus says, if you continue my word, you truly are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we're presented with this paradox. In submitting to the authority of Jesus, we find liberty, care and fairness that we are so desperately seeking. As you submit your life to him and say, well, I can't find objective truth within myself. Actually, I need to find it externally. As you submit your life to Jesus, what you find is you find the liberty and freedom you've been looking for. It's interesting that the first words in the Bible not spoken by God or by Adam, his first created human, are from the serpent. And the serpent says this, did God really say? This is moral relativism. Did God really say to you that you shouldn't do that thing? This is what our culture promotes all the time. What is truth, Adam and Eve? Did God really say to you? And then Jesus arrives, the prophesied one from Genesis 3, the one who was going to crush the serpent's head. And he says, I am truth, follow me. So, Obedience to Jesus is firstly doing what he says. That's what obedience to Jesus looks like, doing what he says, following his instructions, hearing his words, and not only listening to them, but walking away and doing them. How can you do that as a Christian? If you've chosen to accept the call to follow Jesus, you've chosen to not look for truth within yourself, but only looking for truth in Jesus, how do you do that? Well, you need to spend time with Jesus You need to read his words, engage with the scripture, the Bible. And then you need to follow his words and allow him to speak into your life. Allow them room to shape your actions and your attitudes. And we need to do all of those things, as I said on the first week when I spoke, about by being reliant on the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, there's this call in Scripture to to walk in step, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We see we, we do these things as we encounter God's presence in our lives daily and allow him to speak to us, to guide us, to lead us. Not only in the things that we should or shouldn't do, but in the places we, he wants us to go to, in the, the, the things he wants us to invest our time in. We need to be obedient to Jesus. Jesus says the one who hears his words and builds his life upon them or builds their life upon them is like someone who builds their house upon a firm foundation. He says, if you don't hear my words and obey them, you're like somebody who who builds your, your life on sand and when the rain comes and the storms come, it washes it away. But if you build your life on the foundation of the truth that I'm telling you to build your life on, your house will remain strong. When disaster hits you, when struggles hit you, if you're building your life on the truth of Jesus you will remain 
So we grow in obedience through hearing and doing. Secondly, how else do we grow in obedience? Well, we grow in obedience by becoming more like Jesus. So that's called Christ-likeness. So becoming more like him. Paul says in Romans, those who have been brought to faith are being conformed to the image of the Son. As we come to Jesus and receive his salvation, we receive a free gift of grace. I spoke about this on the second week. The gift of salvation also comes with another gift. It comes with the gift of holiness. Because of the work of Christ, you and I have been declared holy before a holy God. So when God looks upon you, he no longer sees your failure and your sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus over your life. This is called objective sanctification. So in one way, you and I have been sanctified objectively before Father God's. We have been placed in right standing with him, but not because of anything we've done, as Anna said earlier, but because of what Jesus has done. It's a work of grace. Yet, and yet, after that point, we need to realise that Jesus is calling us to follow him and grow in Christ-likeness. We're called to pursue a lifestyle of holiness. A lifestyle of conforming our lives to the person and character of Jesus. So from a position of grace, we pursue holy lifestyles. Pursuing holiness isn't an attempt to pursue salvation or God's approval. Rather, it's the result of the salvation we've received. So uh, just a, a side point, again, just reflecting what Anna said earlier on. So look, you don't have to come to church to become a Christian. But when you become a Christian, actually one of the best ways that you can grow in these things is through being part of a body of believers, through being part of a church community. So I've received it. I didn't have to earn it or, or, or do certain things, jump through hoops in order to get it. But now I'm in it. Oh boy, I want to I actually follow it with my whole life. And that means giving your life over to Jesus and his ways and saying, well, look, Lord, I want to follow you. So therefore I'm going to be with people who want the same. And this is from a position of grace we do these things. We're not obliged to do it. We do it because of what Christ has done already. Look, and, and, and as we do these things, we experience liberty, we experience freedom, we experience the things that our hearts are longing for. This pursuit of holiness conforms us to his will whilst making us radically non-conformist to the culture around us. Paul writes this in, in, in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed to this world. Okay, he's writing this 2,000 years ago, but we are reading it in today's culture, and Paul is saying to you, to me, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We are therefore called to pursue a life of transformation. But you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. Only Christ is perfect, but yet Christ calls us on a journey of sanctification, of pursuing holiness. So how do you pursue holiness? Well, Paul indicates here in Romans 12, and I'm, going to, I'm actually going to talk about Colossians 3 in a minute, which is Debbie spoke about earlier on, and he does the same thing there as well. He says you can pursue holiness in these three ways, in your minds, in your body, and through your action. I, I, I've spoken about this already this morning. I spoke about it on week one. The role of the Spirit is crucial in our calls to be a radical disciple. 
And the Spirit works in our lives to grow us in holiness. It's his leading, his working that makes us more Christ-like. Yet at the, also at work, this is achieved when we actively pursue holiness. So by grace, empowered by the Spirit, we're called to sanctify our bodies, our minds and our actions for Jesus, to be engaged in a life of transformation. And this is not something that just magically happens to you. It's not. Because it's easy, isn't it, to sing songs like, I want to be holy, or my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I don't remember you remember that old song. I'm not going to sing it. Or there was a, a Maverick City song. It kind of winds me up a little bit. It goes like this, burn me righteous, burn me holy. The, the intention there, the attitude there behind it is kind of, is, is all right. It's a good thing. God, I want to be holy. But if all it is is singing a song and not walking away and actually making any life adjustments or changes, then you're just singing empty words to God. You see, it's easy saying, oh God, I'm not going to conform to this world, but then walk away and not invite the Spirit to do his work in our lives or practically make any attempts at all to conform our lives to Jesus. Jesus calls you to be obedient, and obedience requires action. So how can we grow in holiness? Let me give you these things today as we uh, begin to kind of wrap up our time together. And we're going to do that through reading Colossians 3 together. And I'm aware that I didn't tell the guys at the back this. I mean, if they are able to put it up, they can do. If not, don't worry about it. But So uh, Colossians 3. Debbie read this already. Do you know, actually, if, I said this to Debbie earlier on. A few years ago, I was given the challenge of learning Colossians 3 by memory, and I can still remember half of it now. So just an encouragement to you, if you want to really get to grips with God's word, why not we'll start remembering verses? Because they live with you for a long time. So Colossians 3 starts like this. If you've been raised with Christ, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on things that are on earth. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you too will appear with him in glory. So what's, what's Paul saying here? He's saying, as I read in Romans 12 already, you need to renew your mind. You need to renew your mind. Who you are in Jesus. You need to keep reminding yourself of who you are in him. You need to keep dwelling on his truth. How do we do that? Well, we do that through meditating on the Word and reminding ourselves of our identity in Him. We renew our minds when we meditate on the Word of God. There's lots of different ways that you can do that. You could um, start just, as I've said already, you could learn Scripture. I'm going to memorize it. That's a great way of being able to start transforming your mind. You could pick on certain topics. You know, so if you struggle with doubt or fear, you could start reminding yourself of things that God says over your life. Or you could enter into Lectio Divina, which is an old spiritual discipline of, of, of re just reading and repeating the same uh, verse over and over again and, and really studying what that says to you as an individual. There's lots of different ways that you can renew your mind as you meditate on the word of God. Set your mind on things above, writes Paul in Colossians. Secondly, how else does he say that we should grow in holiness? Verses 5 onwards, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In those you once walked, when you were living in them. You notice the past tense there. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So 
Paul says that we need to give our bodies over to Jesus. We need to give our behavior patterns over to Jesus. We need to enter into this thing which is called the mortification of the flesh. I'm going to put to death the things in my flesh that I know don't honor Jesus. Whatever that is for you, it's going to be different for each of us. But you know what? I'm going to keep putting myself in the way of Jesus and keep putting these things to death in my life. Paul says that you do that as you take it off in your life. You need to take it off. He says, put it off in your life. Take it off, like, almost like taking your coat off. You take it off. And that's an active thing you have to do. And then he says, you then need to put on the new. So you then you, you, you purposefully are walking into something new. You're saying, right, I'm going to put off these old behaviors and attitudes, so therefore I'm going to make these practical adjustments in my life, and I'm going to put on the new. I'm going to walk in the new. For us as individuals, that's going to look different. For some of you, that might mean um, practical things, steps that you need to take to start overcoming uh, old patterns of behavior in your life. Maybe, first of all, it's just about just opening up about it and telling somebody about what's going on in your life. I've uh, just been helping a friend recently and uh, struggling with some stuff. And, I, and the first thing I said to them is, look, in order to break this cycle in your life, the thing you're going to need to do is start opening up and telling people what's going on. As you do that, you start to break the power of its hold over your life. So maybe for you today, you're caught in a habit. You know, the word sexual immorality here come up and we think, oh, I'm going to just go on about sex. And I'm not at all. But maybe you're caught in a habit or a lifestyle that you know is just not the way that Jesus is calling you to. And, and in, in grace today, maybe the thing you need to do is just start opening up that secret element of your life and start allowing uh, the Holy Spirit to move in you and start putting it off. So put it to death, kill it, and get rid of it in your life. And then what does Paul say? He says, we need to then put on, as God's chosen ones, verse 12, holy and beloved, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So put off the old self and put on the new self. The new self looks like this, he says to them. Bear one with one another. And if any of you has complaint against one another, forgive one another. You know, when we forgive each other, we are engaging with what Jesus did on the cross for us, forgiving us. So we are walking in a cruciform way when we forgive one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of those virtues, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed called to in one body. And be thankful. So these are actions. These are things we need to do. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to forgive my brother. I'm going to uh, bear with my fellow uh, uh, friends in Christ. And I'm going to worship. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'm going to encounter his word in my life. I'm going to admonish and teach others. I'm going to instruct others in the faith, my friends, my fellow friends. You don't have to be a leader to encourage your friend in their following of Jesus. I'm going to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in my heart to God. These are actions. The action of putting off the old self and putting on the new self. And whatever you do, writes Paul in verse 17, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what are our takeaways here? Well, look, okay, so I've just given you a, a framework, really, of how you can grow in holiness. Renew your mind by being transformed, setting your mind on things above, focusing on who you are in Jesus, reading his word daily. Put off the old self. So 
take positive steps in your life to start cutting out things in your life that you know don't adhere or conform to Jesus. And thirdly, put on then actions that you do know conform to Jesus, but do it all through the reliance of the Holy Spirit and through the understanding that you live under the grace of God. You are never going to reach perfection. And for some of us, we might keep hitting the same issue again and again in our lives. And when we hit that issue, we need to just keep saying, no, I'm going to put it to death again. We need to keep putting it to death again and again and again. But all the time, we know that we are doing it because we are following Christ. So maybe for you today, you need to actually take a positive step. Maybe for you today, what this looks like for you this morning is saying, well, no, I'm I'm actually, I need to do something about this habit, lifestyle, old part of me that I need to start working free. Maybe you need to remove some obstacles this week. So, you know, for example, so I, I've told this story before, but I used to smoke um, quite heavily, actually, and um, nobody really knew about it. It was a secret habit I had in my early 20s. And um, I, I, I was prayed for. I really felt there was a, a kind of a release from that kind of habit, habitual hold in my life. Um, and then I made lots of positive steps. I stopped going to news agents. I stopped going uh, to places where I used to buy cigarettes. I purposefully avoided, avoided them. It was a time when I used to travel into London, so I, I went a different route in to avoid the shops I used to shop at because it was a way of stopping me from going back into the old habit. So what does that look like for you this week? Remove obstacles. And thirdly, maybe it's just to say a case of saying, I'm going to realign again. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to listen to the lie of culture which tells me I need to find truth in me, but I'm going to find truth in Jesus. So where are you at today? That's a question for you, a takeaway for you. As I said, hearing, we, we want to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So what are you going to do with what I've shared this morning? And just to help you with that, when we finish in a second, if you want prayer for any of the things I've said, I've said about habits and lifestyles, things that we need to just submit to the will of Jesus, a great place to start is just by confessing your sins to one another. So if you want to come and uh, be prayed for at the end of this meeting, we've got a team of people who'd love to pray with you. The Zoom details will come up uh, about that now. I'm going to pray as we close today. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you said that you are the way, the truth and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except through you. Lord, I thank you that you said that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that as we encounter you, as we walk in obedience to you, we encounter your truth in our lives. Lord, I thank you that as we walk in obedience to you, putting off the old self with its desires and habits and attitudes and placing on the new self, which is in you, Lord Jesus, I thank you that we encounter truth and freedom. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here today who needs to encounter that love, that grace and mercy again, the grace of God over their lives, knowing that they don't have to earn their salvation. Lord, I pray for them right now, Lord, that they might encounter your love and your mercy. And that as they do that, Lord, I pray that you'd start to free them from old habits of behaviour. And so, Lord we, Jesus, we just pray this week that you would grow each one of us to be more like you. Lord, we want to a hunger and thirst for the things you hungered and thirst for. Lord, we want to seek first your kingdom in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray this week that you would enable us to go on a journey of following you, empowered by your Spirit's presence. Amen. Amen. Well, that is very much it from me today. I do hope that you have a great week ahead. Um, If you're not in one of our groups, why not join one? It's a great place to uh, just grow in your Christ-likeness and obedience to Jesus, but also just get some great fellowship and enjoy being with other people at the moment, even if it is on Zoom. Um, So maybe you want to join one of those groups. If not, we'll see you again next Sunday. So that's it from us today.